Well, grace, peace, and mercy be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know if I'm going to be quicker tonight or slower tonight. I had seconds on those uh, Chilerianos, Wes, and uh, I don't know if that was a good idea or a bad idea, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, tonight, again, thank you to the choir for providing that great meal for everybody for being here in this wonderful time of year that we have to be able to gather on an extra time during the week, to be able to be with one another in fellowship and, of course, with our God who comes to meet with you here tonight in this time of worship. We light this first candle this evening as we did on Sunday to be able to kick off Advent, and we have this theme of hope that flows through our service tonight and that should flow through our lives. Please keep that in mind as you hear this word tonight, as we do this together, that not only a feeling of, but the certainty of the hope that you and I have in Christ and what that means for our daily walk. So with that, we enter into this time of Advent once again with this theme of the child of promise, this child that has been promised to so many generations over so many millennia, throughout time and beyond space, all to come to a head, even in this moment that you and I have, to be able to gather here tonight, to know of this promise that is given directly to you, to those in your family that came before you, to those that have already passed on, to those that will come in our lives in the future. And so tonight we focus on this generational promise that God gives to us. And looking at that generational promise, I want to go back to our Old Testament text that Delbert read for us tonight. It's a great one. Uh, it really flows well with our theme for this evening. If you were doing your daily devotion, this is what uh, was in there. It was Genesis chapter 28, just verse 14 is the one that was referred to. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But that first verse that Delbert read for us tonight begins with this. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. Jacob. You remember that name in scripture, right? We hear it usually tied together with a lot of other names. Usually Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I see you already mouthing the names with me. Very good. It's said over and over and over again. Again, this generational promise that came from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob that has been passed down throughout all of history for us to be a part of tonight. But in the text, it begins in saying that Jacob has left, that he has set out for a place to be able to go to. I'm not sure that one brief verse gives us enough context to be able to understand the following verses that come. So let's look at it just for a moment this evening. He isn't setting out to go on vacation. Jacob isn't setting out because he's going on a sightseeing tour. Jacob, if you remember, is setting out because he's on the run. He's, he's taken off. Jacob, you remember him. He has this brother, Esau. Uh, they're very different, these two. One is liked more by his father. One, Jacob, is more of a mommy's boy, if you will. One, uh, Esau, is said to be uh, very hairy, very furry. Uh, the other one, Jacob, not so much. One is more of a 
hunter. The other is more of a gatherer. But these two, they're these brothers, come together in a time in which they, they battle against one another. And not just in normal brotherly love or, or mischief. You see, remember the story. It's Jacob who steals his brother's blessing. It's Jacob who steals his brother's birthright. And Esau is more than frustrated. Their father, Isaac, begins to pass. And after mourning his father, Esau says that he's going to go out and get his brother. And by get him, he is going to kill him. He is going to murder him. And Jacob, knowing this and hearing this through his mother, sets out. He flees. He runs. He, he takes off. This is what our story looks like and begins this evening. So continue on with me, knowing those facts in our minds. It says, when Jacob reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. So taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Now, I've stayed in a lot of different motels or hotels or VRBOs or Airbnbs. You probably have too. Think of the worst one you have ever stayed in. The worst one you've ever stayed in. I can think of a, of a couple that were really bad, but there was even just during the time of COVID, I remember. It wasn't the most uh, worst experience in my life, but I remember picking a hotel because it had online a picture of a gym that my wife wanted to use. It had a picture of a pool that my daughter wanted to use. And then we went there, and because of COVID, the gym was closed, the pool was closed, there was no housekeeping, there was no room service. We barely got a room. Think about those experiences. But you know what they did have? They always had pillows for us. They always had pillows. Today we hear that Jacob goes out, the sun's going down, he's tired, he wants to rest, and he picks a stone to put underneath his head. This seems so obscure to me. There wasn't something else around or nothing else around for him to be able to lay on. But this is what happens when you're, when you're on the run, when you have set out. When you're trying to escape, when you're trying to find something that's, that's better, when you're running from the circumstances you have created in life, you end up at places where you don't want to be. You end up resting upon and putting faith in things you don't want to rest upon or don't want to put your faith upon. But even in this moment, we see God reach out to Jacob. He had a dream, Jacob did, in which he saw a ladder resting on earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. This is where we get that phrase, uh, Jacob's ladder. This element in which he envisions something filling a gap between earth and between heaven. Do you see with me this story of Advent forming already within this Old Testament text thousands of years before the birth of our Savior? The vision and the promise that God gives to his people of this child that is yet to come. 
How strange that he would pick Jacob. Why would he pick him out of everyone? Couldn't he still have stuck with Esau? Sure. But God comes and he chooses this individual, one who is a swindler, one who is a a thief, one who is not very popular with anyone, one who doesn't have much within the world, and one that doesn't even seem to have a whole lot of interest in God himself at this moment. But this is who he chooses. But you know what? In the same way, God also chooses us. I love this scripture verse in Romans. It makes me feel so loved by God because it shows me that no matter who we are and no matter what we have done, that God always blesses us with his love. From Romans 5, verse 8, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God doesn't wait for Jacob to confess his sin and to go back home or to fix his life so it's perfect. He doesn't wait for Jacob to be in an area where he is flush with offspring or with financial gain or land on his own so that it'll make it easier for God. God goes to him and chooses him in that moment to make his path straight. And he does the same for us. He doesn't wait till your life is perfect. He doesn't wait till you make the U-turn to come running back to him. In fact, when we are God's enemies, when we are bound in our sin, this is when he sends Jesus to this earth to give his life for us that we may experience his love and that we may thus share that love with others. Our text continues. God comes to Jacob in this dream and he says, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Just before this, those verses that were in our devotion and that were read for us tonight, we hear about those different promises that God gives to Jacob. I'm going to give you the land that you need. I'm going to give you the offspring that you need. They will be like the dust of the earth. They will be from the east to the west. Your descendants are going to multiply. They are going to be a blessing to people throughout the nation and throughout all of the lands, throughout all of time. This is what I am going to do for you. Man, our God is such a hard worker, is he not? Look at all the things that he puts on his plate that he is going to do for us. Shouldn't it be you and I that are doing these things in service to God? But here, God comes to Jacob, and he comes to me, and he comes to you, and he does all of these things. This verse could be expressed to any one of us in here tonight. I am going to be with you. I am going to watch over you. Wherever you go, I am going to bring you back. I will not leave you 
until what I have promised you is done. Know the promise that God has always given to his people throughout all of generations and gives to us tonight. Sometimes we may not necessarily as Christians doubt that promise, but maybe we forget it a little bit. Maybe it slips back in our list of priorities. But God is there to come and remind us of that. On April 25th of 2003, there was an NBA Western Championship basketball game going on. It was a, a great day in which thousands of people were in attendance, tens of thousands of people, if not hundreds of thousands of people are watching online. And in this moment, this little 13-year-old girl had been chosen to come up and sing the national anthem before all of these people. Her name is Natalie Gilbert. She came out and she began to sing and was doing a, a wonderful job. And then she forgot the words. She just lost it. She put her microphone to her, her side. She was frozen in fear and didn't know what to do. The head coach maybe saw the, the video of the trailblazers ran out to the young woman. And he put his arm over her. His name is Maurice Cheeks. And he began telling her the words. And then he began singing along with her, holding her the entire time. And she began to remember, and she began to get her confidence up, and she began to sing, and the people all began to sing with her until she finally belted out that last note, and the crowds went wild. All because somebody came and put their arm around her to be able to hold her, to be able to remind her, to be able to do something with her. You and I can do this for one another. You and I can do this for people who are in the world. Because this is what God comes and he does first for us. That we're frozen in our, our fear and he appears out of nowhere. It's not the role he had to take on by any means. The head coach showing up out of nowhere to be able to fulfill this role with us. And he puts his arm around me, and he puts his arm around you, and he reminds us of those words. He reminds us of those promises that he has given again to all generations of this child that was to come and is now here in our lives today. And so you and I have the opportunity to share this with people around us. We talked about this at men's Bible study this morning. How are we able to be able to do that? What does that look like for the generations that are behind us or that are with us now? We need to be creative about that. We need to share those words with them. They need to know who our Savior is. Jacob has this amazing dream, and he awakes. It says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was just not aware of it. How awesome is this place? I couldn't put it any better myself. I hope you know that every time you come here and every moment you are living anywhere in this world, 
our God is here with you in that place. To be able to lift you up in those times of joy and happiness and celebration and to be able to sit with you and put his arm around you during those times of loss or fear or hurt. And so our God comes through all this space and through all this time, leaving everything behind. A God who is in a, a perfect place in heaven and comes down to the, the messiness of this earth. A God who is completely all-powerful and, and all-knowing. Nothing can touch him. And he comes down to be this little tiny infant in a manger. A God who is eternal and everlasting. And, and again, nothing can touch him. And coming here, not to be able to reign as a king, but to die on a cross. Also, we can hear those words tonight. I am your God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Peter, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Michelle, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Pat, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Bob, the God of Abraham and Isaac, and you put your name in there with me tonight. Our God that has given all generations and all people this beautiful promise of a child that is yet to come. Prepare your heart with me every day in hope as we look forward to this certain message that we have in our Savior. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity again to gather here in this time of worship tonight. We thank you for your word, and Lord, look to our gospel text of declaring that you are the light of the world. We know that we are not that light, but that we can reflect that light, that you give us that opportunity. And so please, over the next 24 days and throughout our lives, do that over and over and over again, that we may share of the one who sent his one and only son to this world for us. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.